This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we talk about what made news, what didn't and some things that absolutely shouldn't have. Before we begin, I want to tell all our listeners that yesterday, that is 14th of April, a day we observe as Ambedkar Jayanti, News Laundry launched its Hindi website. I think it's very special because a lot of times, since we're largely reporting in the North and we're translating a lot of the conflicts and emotions that are really explained to us in Hindi, uh, we English reporters inevitably sometimes lose a lot of things in translation. Uh, which is why if you can read Hindi, please do check out our Hindi website where our colleagues will be bringing you reports and details, uh, which we English reporters sometimes are unable to bring to you. You can go to hindi.newslaundry.com and you'll find our reports, podcasts, interviews and videos on that particular website. Uh, it's nice to be back in Delhi. Aditya and I were traveling in Kerala for elections like Parikshit, Meghnath and um, Manisha were also traveling in Bengal for elections. So thanks to everyone who contributed to our NL Sena project. It wouldn't have been possible without your support. Uh, we're also back to where we were last year. In fact, COVID numbers are very scary right now and we're all working from home and back to recording this podcast from our laptops. Today, I'm virtually joined by Parikshit and Akansha. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi, Akansha. Hi, Nidhi. So, Akansha, this week, Akansha has done a follow-up story on the Delhi riots, which we will be talking about. And Parikshit, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. Parikshit is our producer. He's usually the one patiently listening, recording our podcasts, interviews, videos, and one of the most patient people I've seen in our newsroom. The reason I think it's special to have you today is because... Uh, so, Parikshit, have you ever done ground reporting before? Uh, not really. This was one of my first reporting assignments. Right. So, which is why I think it'll be interesting to hear your experience on reporting. But uh, before I come to you, I'll ease you into the podcast by speaking to Akansha first. So, Akansha, last February, a video went viral on social media. I'm sure most of you have seen it by now. It's a video of a few Muslim men lying on the ground on their backs. They're injured and bleeding and they're softly singing the national anthem. In the video, you can see uniformed men recording it and asking uh, the men on the ground to sing the anthem properly. One of the men in the video, Fezan, succumbed to his injuries two days after. Akansha, a year later, you went back and spoke to Vaseem, who's also in the video. Um, now, this story, as much as it is about Vaseem and his experience through the last year, it's also about uh, how the men in uniform the perpetrators of a crime, have not till date been held accountable for. I want to really start by asking you, as a reporter, uh, what, why do we do follow-up stories? What really is the significance of going back to follow-up on a story that happened a year ago? Uh, Nidhi, uh, I mean, the main aim of this follow-up story was to identify uh, the men in khaki who could be seen in this video uh, beating all these five men as they were made to lay down on the pavement and forced them to sing the national anthem. Uh, in all the videos which did appear on social media, uh, the faces of uh, these men uh, are not visible. Uh, and there are two uh, cases uh, which uh, you know are pending in different courts in Delhi. 
Uh, one, of course, is based on uh, Wasim's uh, complaint, uh, which is being heard by Shadra District Court. And there is another victim, Fezan, who later uh, succumbed to his injuries two days after the video went viral. His name was Fezan, and his mother has approached Delhi High Court asking for an SIT in this case. Uh, so coming back to your question, as a reporter, why do we do follow-up? We always... Uh, go back to the same story again and again, hoping to bring out uh, some fact which is not there in public domain. And in this case, uh, or like uh, there have been some very brilliant follow-up stories uh, done uh, by Anumeha Yadav uh, for Huffington Post and uh, Betwa Sharma for Article14.com. And their stories were at least able to pin the blame on police officers. Uh, based on uh, testimonies of the victims uh, who survived uh, this uh, incident. Uh, but again, uh, the identity of those policemen is not known yet. Uh, so uh, one of the main purpose uh, uh, behind uh, you know, doing this story was to put names and faces uh, to those eight police officers who were seen in this uh, video last year. Hmm. And when you and when you decided to do the follow up, how how did you start? How did you meet Vasim? How did you decide you're going to tell the story through Vasim's testimony and statement that he's given in his FIR? Uh, how did you start working on the story? So uh, I think one of the most uh, vocal person and also one of the most visible faces. Uh, uh, related to this story has been a 61-year-old mother of Fezan uh, who goes by a single name, Kismatun. Uh, so I first approached her and uh, because I also wanted to understand the timeline of the incident. How, would, how did these five men land up being there on the pavement in seriously injured condition? And uh, then... Through Kismatun only, I realized that all these five men were from the same neighborhood. Uh, the locality is known as Kardampuri, which was, uh, in fact, the epicenter of violence last year. Uh, there is uh, this pulia or the lane which connects the main road uh, once you cross the Mojpur metro station to Kardampuri, which is a Muslim-dominated uh, area inhabited mostly by Muslims. Um, and there, uh, a sit-in had been organized uh, by locals against the CA uh, legislation. Uh, and uh, uh, like Kismatun had gone to attend that protest when uh, police uh, personnel, they started targeting uh, the tent with tear uh, gas shells. And like the women, they started uh, fleeing back to their homes. And uh, since there was a lot of commotion, their family members uh, set out to search for them. So I think Kismatun only, uh, you know, took me to Basim's house. Uh, and another uh, person, Kosar, who's also an eyewitness in the case. Uh, and it's it's like uh, the entire Kardampuri is a very densely populated area where, uh, you know, the, uh, the location is, it, it's divided into several gullies and lanes. And all these five men, they're just like, they, they just live few gullies uh, away from each other. So uh, 
then like through kismatoon i met others and tried uh, to understand uh, their version of the story uh, and after uh, interviewing wasim uh, like the next step was also to get a sense of the legal status of the case uh, which is when uh, wasim's lawyer mehmood pracha uh, you know apprised me of this entire complaint uh which has uh, not been taken cognizance of uh by the delhi police as well as uh the home ministry and different uh, senior officials of the delhi police and this uh, boy was seen who is 16 years old and had to drop out of school after uh, the last year's incident uh he has been he and his father uh they have been trying to approach the police uh, since july last year uh, just uh, so that an fir can be filed in their case but the police hasn't even filed an fir which is why they have now approached the district court so akansha tell me a little bit about uh, meeting wasim and what is the story that he tells you about what happened that day um so wasim uh, uh, when like you know you when i met him uh, he was uh, not really that forthcoming also because uh, when such an incident happens uh, usually uh, repetitive media interactions have drained out your respective case studies as well uh, so it took me some time to kind of build a rapport with wasim so that he's able to at least uh, tell me his side of the story and uh, he had just gone out uh, like fezan to look for his mother who had gone to attend this uh, anti ca sit in for the first time and he says that uh, suddenly he was uh, dragged by policemen who started beating him with lathis and rifle butts and he lost consciousness uh in another half an hour or so once he regained uh, consciousness he found himself lying on the pavement and there were some four others also who were lying with him and this is when the crucial part of his complaint comes into the picture where he names uh sho jyoti nagar police station shailendra tomar telling his men to get petrol so that all these five men could be set on fire uh then another associate of tomar tells him that uh, no sir let me first make a video of them since these guys have been asking for azadi uh i really want to shoot this video and send it to the minister we don't know who he is uh, this police uh, guy who which minister was he referring to and then wasim goes on to say in his complaint that another uh, associate of tomar suddenly spotted someone from a rooftop on the other side of the road uh, making a video of them uh, assaulting these men and it was then that tomar says that okay then we can't just really set them on fire uh, we need to now take them to the hospital and uh, even at the gtb hospital where all these five men were taken to wasim and his family claims that they were not given timely treatment and there was a lot of there were a lot of uh, uh, anti minority slurs which were used even by doctors who actually are supposed to be caretakers and should have been empathetic 
towards these men as they narrated their ordeal. Uh, but uh, according to Vaseem, uh, like one doctor at uh, GTB hospital, they just uh, bandaged his wound and he had received severe head injuries and then asked him to sign on a document where he had written that he does not need any stitches when actually it was a such a severe injury that he needed immediate attention and sutures and stitches as well. Yeah. So uh, like his entire story is of gross neglect, not just by the police, but also by the hospital staff as well. And what what state of mind is he in now? Like to, to have uh, a policeman force you to sing a national anthem, has it changed? Has the incident changed what he feels about his place in the country? Has the incident changed, made him think a lot more about his identity? What sense did you get when you met him? He's definitely scarred. And I think he's scarred for life because, uh, you know, he told me that he himself hasn't seen that video till date. He couldn't really muster the courage to see that video again. Uh, his parents, of course, they came to know that it was Vaseem uh, who was made to sing National Anthem after the video went viral and they identified him with his yellow sandals that he was wearing that day. And he's quite withdrawn. It it takes you a lot of time to, you know, uh, get responses from him. And there's one particular response that he uh, gave which really kind of stood with me when I asked him, why do you think the policeman actually forced you to sing national anthem that day? And then he says in Hindi, uh, So obviously, even a 16-year-old boy has been made to understand that it was because he is Muslim is the reason why he was targeted that day. Uh, especially by those who were who should actually have saved him and should have escorted him back home safely, uh, even though he had just stepped out. It was just a matter of chance that he was uh, standing near the Mohalla clinic and he saw this crowd being led by BJP leader Kapil Mishra. According to his complaint, he all, Mishra also had a revolver in his hand. And then at one point... Uh, you know, he took loudspeaker microphone from the police and told his supporters that uh, police wale hamare saath hai. So obviously, uh, that uh, sense of, uh, you know, being marginalized because he belongs to a certain uh, religion is going to stay with him. Uh, right now for his parents, the priority is to be able to encourage him and push him again to go back to school because he was uh, studying in class ninth, and since last one year, he's been at home. Uh, so he doesn't want to uh, go back to school? He seems to be inclined to go back to school for sure. Mm -hmm. And his father, Ataullah, who's an electrician, he even harbors dreams of sending his son abroad. And when I was talking to him, his only concern was that, uh, like, will he even get a passport now that, you know, there is an FIR against him and he's part of this uh, case. Uh, I think, you know, the, like my son's future has been spoiled forever. 
but yes, I mean, he does seem to be in uh, sort of inclined towards continuing his studies. Right. And tell me a little bit about Shailendra Tomar and what has your interaction or rather lack of interaction with him mean to this story? Uh, so Shailendra Tomar uh, did not respond to our calls and messages. And even when I went to the Jyoti Nagar police station, the moment you mentioned, they always ask you at the reception, why do you want to meet him? And the moment you mentioned that, you know, you want to just discuss a case related to riot, you can always sense uh, that they are alarmed and uh, they also don't want you to uh, sort of really meet him. Uh, so I just wanted to talk to him uh, and understand, you know, if there could be a policeman who can actually be so vicious uh, that he can suggest his uh, juniors to get petrol and set uh a bunch of people on fire just because they are Muslims. Uh, but that interaction never happened. Uh, the Delhi police uh, overall also has not responded to our query. So I, and you know, it like getting response from the Delhi police also seems like you are dealing with this, you know, Sarkari Tantra where people are, you know, hell bound on just making you go from this office to that office, but no one actually wants to respond to your queries. So, uh, like I, uh, in March this year, uh, crime branch whose office is in Darya Ganj, they suddenly released a poster mm-hmm. and in that poster, they appealed, uh, to the public that I, we think that in connection with Faizan's case, the men that you see assaulting him are probably people in uniforms. So we would request you to help us identify them, which was a complete twist uh, to the narrative being built uh, by the victims over the last one year. So I went to the crime branch and they asked me to wait. And then uh, like they told me to get in touch with uh, and IO in the case, when I called IO Pankaj Arora, he said that as per protocols, I'm not supposed to talk to media. So you need to talk to DCP crime uh, Rajesh Dio, uh, who is currently overlooking all the cases uh, that have been filed uh, after the Delhi riots. And uh, from crime branch, I was asked to go to the headquarters of Delhi police. When I reached Delhi police uh, headquarters and I tried contacting Dio, uh, he didn't seem to be interested in meeting me. And he's like, you know, it's a sensitive case. Uh, The case is still subjudice. I can't comment on it uh, like that. And after that, I mailed like an entire questionnaire to Delhi Police Commissioner S.N. Srivastav, their PRO and a bunch of other officials as well. There was no response uh, from the Delhi Police till the time, uh, till the story got published. After the story was published, so like our mail went out to Delhi Police on 5th April and the story uh, was published on 11th. And a day after the story was published, like uh, I got these messages, automated response from Delhi police that, you know, the questionnaire has been converted into some sort of complaint and a number has been assigned. So from uh, central zone police, it was transferred to eastern zone of Delhi police. And then it was transferred to someone in Jyoti Nagar and a sub inspector is looking into it. So it's it's bizarre. The way the Delhi police also responded to our story is also 
indicative of the fact that they just want to brush it under the carpet and not really uh, respond to allegations against uh, a person who is at the rank of SHO. Right, right. Thank you, Akansha, for doing this story. It's such an important story. And uh, Parishit, do you have anything you want to ask Akansha about her story? Um, so, Akansha, I'm really sorry I haven't gotten the time to read your story. But uh, just one thing, like, what is the economic status of these guys? Uh, they all belong to very humble uh, economic backgrounds. Uh, like Faizan uh, was employed at a meat shop in Ghazipur. And he used to earn 700 to 1,000 rupees per month. Uh, so with him gone, it's like a, an earning member has also gone. Uh, is you know is also lost uh, for Kismatun. Uh, and some amount of compensation has been given to her, but uh, again, they belong to very humble backgrounds. Uh, so it does kind of disturbs their uh, daily normal life as well. Vasim, uh, for example, his father is an electrician who makes 200 rupees per day by you know doing uh, repair work related to electrical appliances. Uh, but like even his family told me that uh, after uh, GTB hospital, when they took Vaseem to St. Stephen's hospital, they had to spend 40,000 from their own pocket, uh, which has kind of, uh, you know, uh, made a hole in their pocket and they're trying to recover from it. So obviously uh, such incidents of violence, uh, they actually push them behind by years. Uh, when it comes to their economic status. And what sort of compensation did the government give them? I think the uh, compensation was given only uh, to Faizan's family uh, after, uh, you know, uh, report of uh, his death. And uh, his uh, mother told me that they have received uh, 10 lakh rupees uh, from the Delhi government. Hmm. All right. Thank you. Before we move on to Parikshit, I'd like to tell our listeners that we've also been hosting another show called Let's Talk About, where we take a deep dive into particular topics and have guest speakers to debate or discuss. Uh, We've released a new episode called Let's Talk About Feminism in India, which looks at not just defining feminism, uh, but tries to understand the movement, what it means at different points of history in India, essentially its journey across class, caste and generations. So do check out all our other valuable content on our website, uh, www.newslaundry.com. And with that, Parishit, let's come to you now. And before I get straight to the report, uh, if I'm right, Bengal is your hometown, right? Not really. So I was born and brought up in Jamshedpur, which is in Jharkhand now. Used to be Bihar back then. So my grandfather used to be from West Bengal, but like I've never lived there. So. But you speak Bengali? Yeah, I do speak Bengali, yeah. And this is because you spoke Bengali at home? Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, So how long have you been traveling in Bengal? You just got back yesterday and I've dragged you to do a podcast. But how long have you been traveling and what's what's it been like? It's been close to a month. So we left for Bengal on the 16th of March. We came back yesterday, which was the 14th of April. And it was pretty hectic, actually, with the... Yeah, what, what can I say? It's a huge state. Hmm. And how far into this eight-phase election is Bengal right now? How many phases are done? How many are left? Four are done. So, 10th was the fourth phase. I think the fifth phase is tomorrow or the day after, I think. 
Right. Yeah. So, Pariksha, we've done quite a few reports and um, listeners, you can find them on our website. Uh, today, we're actually going to focus on one particular story he published with Manisha yesterday. That's the 14th of April. Um, for this story, uh, both of them travel to a village called Jorpatki. Am I pronouncing it right? Yeah, yeah. Jorpatki. In Bengal's Sital Kulchi, right? Yep, that's right. Kulchi Assembly Constituency. Uh, five days ago, that's on 10th April, four men were waiting to cast their vote at booth number 126 uh, from this village and they were shot dead allegedly by the CISF, which is the Central Industrial Security Force. Uh, Parikshit, where were you when the incident happened? How did you guys hear about it? And when did you reach Chorpatki? Okay, so I'll give you a basic background. So... We usually, on the day of the polling, we were traveling from booth to booth checking like all the allegations that were made. Okay? But on the 10th, we were traveling to Siliguri. So we were in Siliguri at that point. And mm. that day, we didn't like actually go to the booths because like after a long travel, we just decided to stay back when we just heard like there has been the shootout. And at that point, people were saying like there were five people who were killed, which is basically two different booths ka milake that happened. So this guy, Burman guy, he died in a different booth. Mm. He was shot by two people on a motorbike and four people died in booth number 126. And when did you reach Chorpatki finally? We reached there on the 12th when like we saw a lot of things. So the, the reports were like very basic, like what were coming out. Like yeah. most of the wire copies, there was just one report by India Today, I think. Hmm. So we decided that we should go there and just have a look at what actually happened. Like because unlike most of the places, like where we were getting alerts, ki, like something is happening here, something the word they use is gondogol, hmm. which means bawal in certain ways. Okay, so right. things are happening, but there was no killings anywhere. This was the first time that a killing happened this time. Hmm. So we decided to like go there and see what actually happened. And because there were a lack of reports, our plans were made, yeah. And what is Jodhpatki like? Who are the main voters? What is the economic status? Is there like a general economic status of the village? Who are they? Hmm. So Jodhpatki is a mostly Muslim-dominated, as far as we could assess, a Muslim-dominated area. So the layout would be something like, in the center, there's the whole Muslim areas. On the left, there is a Hindu settlement. On the right, there's a Hindu settlement. Most of them are Rajbangshis. So they are the Hindu voters there. Hmm. Yeah, but most of it is like dominantly Muslim voters. And they are not very well off economically per se. Right. And so what happened on April 10th? You spoke to the families of the men who were shot. You spoke to people who were lined up at the booths, witnesses, local residents. What do they have to say about what really happened on April 10th? Yeah. So I'll give you a basic brief on what the actual report said, like in the beginning. So the police version stated that there was this kid who was unwell. He fainted. And the CISF people, they took him to the hospital, which... Uh, a rumor spread after which like the kid was killed and a huge crowd gathered around those CISA people. After which they did some air firing and the crowd dispersed. And after some time, there again occurred an incident which was inside the booth. So this booth number 126, mm. where this firing happened. Like they said, the CISA people and the police statement states that he 
the villagers tried to snatch their rifles, tried to beat them up with sticks. They had weapons and all. So what we did was we went to went there uh, to Matha Bhanga. Okay, Matha Bhanga is this place which is very close by. So Matha Bhanga Hospital, we met this kid. That was the first thing that we did. So the kid actually was beaten up, unlike what the police statement said and the CISF statement stated. The kid was playing there when these CISF people. walked in uh, he got slightly scared and he started walking away his pace was slightly faster than usual and they held him by his shoulder and once that like he tried to i think go away but like one of the cops said ki like cops as in like so the word they use is kendriya vahini because they are unsure of what sort of force is this they can distinguish between police uniform and army uniform hmm so for anybody who is in the army uniform they use the word kendriya vahini right so they said ki like the kendriya vahini one of the guys held me the other guy said ki like bachcha hai jaane do but the other guy did not listen and uh, hit him on his bum and his back with his stick mm. and after that they slightly pushed him and he fell and fainted that is where the first incident ends theek hai after this people got outraged they went there we spoke to our eyewitnesses over there like this happened in this place called kazimur so the shop right in front of it we spoke to the guy there he said ki like yeah a group of people like close to 50 100 people i think uh they gathered there and told the cisf people ki how can you hit a kid if you want to hit somebody hit us like mm. that and the cisf people slightly like they did the air firing and the crowd dispersed because the crowd says ki we are not used to firing and all we don't know what bullet firing is and we got really scared we dispersed hmm 20 minutes later inside the booth so now we go to the families who were affected we spoke to eyewitnesses who were like inside the booth we spoke to multiple villagers and the story seemed very consistent so what they say is ki like voting was going as usual hmm. when three cisf hmm. cars parked there they came in they hit one of the guys he was the brother of this chamimul haq mm. he hit him on his head with the gun he fell chamimul asked him ki like why are you doing this and in that moment he shot chamimul and then the firing thing started so it was unlike the unlike what the cisf and the police have been saying like there was a crowd of like a mob of 300 people who tried to snatch their rifles and all their version states ki voting was going as usual people were just standing in the lines there were close to 40 50 people there and they just came in and started doing this so multiple witnesses you spoke to said that this was an unprovoked attack yes it was an unprovoked attack according to multiple witnesses and, and the stories were pretty consistent like hmm so why i wanted to give that background was ki like we have been to several booths and mm-hmm. most places the stories never stories never turn out to be consistent so like tmc people saying something bjp people saying something the left people saying something so it's always all over the place but here everything was consistent mm. all the details yeah uh, tell me a little bit about the sense of polarization along the religious lines that you witnessed in this election you've been traveling there for a month uh, give me a general idea about the sense of polarization and then also in this particular village you've mentioned some very specific anecdotes that uh, reveal how polarization has functioned in this election hmm. um so tell us a little bit about that 
So see, polarization is like brewing up there for sure. So the most polarized place that we found there while we were traveling through the state was Nandigram, mm-hmm. where Shubhendu Adhikari and Mamta Banerjee are going head to head, and the polarization there is actually very bad. So we visited this place. It's called Boyal, mm-hmm. which is in Nandigram. Okay, so there it was very tense the situation. So. and the polarization level is so much that people were referring to one of the booths where the thing happened as a hindu booth and the booth opposite to it as a muslim booth right people randomly came up to us and like in a very hushish najnajwe said ki like ye musliman log hai ye idhar aa jate vote karne ye kahan se theek hai ye wo blah 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 so that place and because of shubhendu adhikari i think the polarization level has gone really bad because he keeps on referring to mamta banerjee as begum and unprovoked so mm-hmm. in boyal once the uh, you guys can actually read the report like and watch the video we did from boyal on youtube twitter wherever you want so that day what happened in boyal was ki like there were two booths so one booth had a tmc uh, booth worker who alleged that he wasn't being allowed to sit there when we spoke to several people over there we found out that the tmc booth worker who was actually supposed to sit there that day he was like threatened the day before and he was not allowed to and he ran away basically hmm. because he was threatened last night and his mother we spoke to she was really scared she was like ki hum vote karne mein nahi jayenge the ci crpf people tried ci not crpf actually the bsf was deployed there the bsf tried to like take them to the polling booth but the mother said ki like aap aaj to kar doge lekin once you are gone what will happen to me so people are scared there and uh, so after we did that report mamta banerjee came there and sat there for a while because like it was a very uh, what do you call it a thing to be there she sat there for like close to 2 hours there when and we had left by then so when we came back mamta had left but we heard that shubhendu is coming so shubhendu took a procession right in front of the booth within like 100 meters of the booth people shouting that jai shri ram and shubhendu unprovoked just kept on saying ki uh, mamta begum hai begum ye kar rahi hai begum wo kar rahi hai so that narrative sort of has ingrained into the people ki like yeah like the hindu muslim divide is very evident there and on ground like for example if if we take jorpat ki village hmm. uh, while the political leaders are sort of doing it in their speeches people are in a village are living together right there's hindus yeah. muslims living together in a village huh. so what does what do these speeches really do to uh, people who are neighbors and are hindu and muslim like how do they interact with each other what's their nature of attitude uh, when they talk about each other so apart from nandigram this is slightly a like weird phenomenon of sorts like even in jorpat ki mm-hmm. we spoke to the hindu people theek hai the rajbangshis they said ki like in a normal time we don't have any problem with muslims like we interact with each other we do whatever there is theek hai mm-hmm. but on the day of the voting we had we were like warned 7 days before that don't go and vote warned by i think the tmc goons they did not name them mm and like it's a common perception there that tmc goons are muslims right yeah so yeah that's there we spoke to four five five villages there five rajbangshi people who all said this ki like we can't go and vote and this has been happening since 2018 panchayat election though they specifically mentioned that 
2019 elections, the general elections, hmm. that happened very smoothly. They used the word very sundar. And all the Hindu uh, people you spoke to in Jodhpatki, they you also mentioned that they had BJP flags outside yes. their house, ha. right? They, is that uh, done by them or is it no, put not there done by, by them? Members? So that's the thing there again. Like people just, whenever there's a rally or the election happening, people just put flags. Like we have seen places where like, Multiple flags are in one house. Like, in one house, BJP, bhi hai, CPIM, bhi hai, ISF, bhi hai, Trinamool. Bhi hai. So, I don't think the flags have anything to do with that. Yeah. Right. And so, one thing that stands out in your report, of course, is the fact that they're angry with the CISF and angry with what's happened to uh, the people who passed away. Hmm. But there's also a very palpable anger towards the media, right? Hmm. And tell me about this anger. Why are they so angry with the media? Uh, so see, uh, again, Trinamool has been peddling this key like the CISF, CRPA, basically the Kendriya Vahini is out to get them. Okay? So that is something that's a rumor that has been spreading there for the whole time. We have spoken to multiple CRPF, BSF people and most of them are like pretty genuine people who are just standing there. They have a language barrier. They're saying ki like random politicians come there and say ki like yahan pe 144 laga hua hai, they're pointing towards a house where there were five people sitting and this politician is saying ki like under panch log kaise baith sakte hai 144 laga hua yahan pe they are like ki hum kya kare isme like so there is a very genuine narrative that is going around against the kendriya vahini basically hmm. and the Anger against the media is basically that most of the things that I also saw, like in the Bengali channels, was that they were showing this uncle, Monirul Jamal, who died there. His uncle had a video conference with Mamta Banerjee after the incident. Hmm. So they were showing bits and pieces of that thing. So he's apparently alleging that there were media, that he said ki, like there were more than 500 media people who came here, interviewed me. But I could see that nowhere. So they are alleging that their side of the story is not being shown anywhere. So was he open to talking to us when News Laundry got there? Or was there a lot of, did it take you a lot of effort to get people to speak? It did take us some effort to like make them, to get them to speak. Because like A, those families were like really shattered of sorts. Like oh. we spoke to one of the sisters. Mm. She started crying. So the video we released has an audio of her like talking. Mm. So yeah, she just kept on crying while talking. And we met the father of the one of the victims. He was crying. Like it's a very sad situation to look at even. Yeah. And yeah, so it was slightly a task to get them to talk, especially with the media anger. People, but in general, Bengali people are very talkative. So once you get them to mm-hmm. talk, they will talk. Right. And out of curiosity, Parishit, tell me about your process of reporting. You're doing it for the first time and you've been, even though you're doing it for the first time, you've been witnessing it for a while now. And you're the one, you know, we send our scripts to video scripts, raw footage. Um, So what insight did you think you gained into reporting, uh, which you didn't have as an observer of reporting? One major thing that I observed is it's very difficult to get people to talk on camera. (laughs) So I understand what problems you guys face. (laughs) (laughs) Because like we talk to people, they are saying something. Once we turn on the camera, they completely change their statement. (laughs) 
yeah and like they get but basically i understand that fear also so this problem we did not face in nandigram and jhargram because people there have been like used to speaking on camera for a while mm. another observation is like kolkata and west bengal for sure is like very politically charged so what i mean by that is like most of the people are associated with some political party or the other mm. so that makes slightly difficult for us to like get people to talk because like when we talk to them they are like ki trinamool ne acha kiya trinamool ne acha kiya bjp logo se baat karo to bjp ne acha kiya bjp acha kiya we don't get a neutral voice there it's very difficult to get a neutral voice and most people who are not associated with the parties hmm. just don't want to talk because they are slightly afraid because trinamool has a history of violence like trinamool kya matlab like bengal elections have a history of violence so are you going to be reporting a lot more than producing now Uh, thanks for sure. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so, Akansha, do you have anything you want to ask Parikshit about? I just wanted to ask you one thing, which I've been asking every bong, <laughs> that uh, you know, in a state which used to be a bastion of the left, you know, and that red flag uh, with uh, the symbol of sickle, for that state to be suddenly enchanted by the lotus. what explains this transition because it's very sudden and so especially based on your interaction with people from the ground like as some of your stories also suggested that probably some schemes have worked out for them one woman thinks that the farmer bills may actually help her hmm. uh, so w- what do you think has been the reason uh, towards this inclination towards uh, bjp Okay, so there are a lot of things that affect this. So one specifically is people are very fed up with the Mamta Sarkar. Okay, most people we spoke to, even if they don't hate Mamta per se, they are like frustrated with the local karmacharis because the cut money, cut money is basically they charge you a sum of money for everything that you want to get done. So if there is a scheme like Kanyashri, which is basically you get a uh, not kanyashi rupash rupashri yeah so you get that when you're getting married so you get a sum of 25000 when you're getting married after the age of 18 uh people allege that ki when they go to withdraw that money there is somebody or someone they standing there who will charge 5000 of it from them so this is the sort of problem they are facing cut money is a huge issue there so they are really annoyed with like people the local karmacharis and the local leaders of trinamool congress and most of the people who have joined bjp according matlab like i can only say based on my interactions used to be a part of the left like the karmacharis i'm not talking about the upper level leaders so they were part of like the left the they call it the bam bampanthiyasm uh so yeah Uh, and they are dissatisfied with trinamool and they have no other option but the bjp right right thank you yeah. and plus uh, bjp um, most people we spoke to said that they did get that 500 rupee for 3 months and free gas cylinders for 3 months so that has really helped people during the lockdown right and also this uh, in jor patki uh, area where like the last story that you guys did um out of curiosity like uh, th- like this hindu uh, guy uh, someone by the name of i think barman the yeah. raj bangshis hmm. uh why did he say that the last time he was allowed to vote was in lok sabha election 2019 like then like 
is it, is there some religion or caste factor at play here not religion or caste factors voting has been a very matlab like elections the panchayat elections were like really bad in 2018 in west bengal so there were seats that matlab like there were constituencies where like hundreds of seats went to polling without even having an opposition would contest on those seats so like the tmc people just stood there tnc people just won before the elections took place because there was nobody contesting there from there so that is there and 2019 since it was the general election i think the security forces and all were like pretty strict there so that is the only time they went could vote like properly from there right right uh, all right thanks so before we adjourn for today let's take a look at uh, recommendations uh, akansha what do you have for our listeners this week so i have just been intrigued uh, by this new story uh, of uh, a mafia don muktar ansari who is uh, known as like he's popularly called as the robin hood in eastern up he's been brought in uh, he he was brought from a jail in punjab to up uh, in banda and i just read this article in india today it's called time up for the don uh in which uh, they the the reporter ashish mishra he actually just uh, mentions the entire trajectory of him as a criminal his transition to a politician uh his tryst with different political parties in up before he floated his own political outfit called uh, qaumi ekta dal so i just found that uh, quite uh, interesting uh especially because uh, this is being seen as a well uh, planned move by the yogi government and uh, in case you want if someone wants to know more about the dynamics of religion in eastern and western up i recently finished reading everyday communalism book by uh, sudha pai and sajjan kumar uh, which delves into how uh, bjp and different outfits affiliated to rss uh, were part of uh, instigating everyday violence uh, in the 2000s uh, right after the uh, ayodhya ram mandir movement and how that has also played a role in uh, yogi adityanath uh, you know uh, climbing up the ladder uh, because uh, i mean there was some role of the hindu yuva vahini in 2005 riots in eastern up in mau so yes i mean both go went hand in hand for me the article as well as the book so that would be my recommendation Okay uh so my recommendation for this week is uh, actually a book uh called The Lonely City Adventures in the Art of Being Alone it's by Olivia Lang and um I think it's a wonderful book because it's basically a story about uh, the woman Olivia Lang when she moved to New York City in her mid 30s and sort of found herself feeling fairly lonely on a daily basis and increasingly fascinated by the sense of uh, by the shame associated with what we call loneliness and she sort of begins to explore the city through art and she creates her own little map of loneliness as she walks across the city and sort of thinks about what it means to be lonely uh it's been particularly special for me because i think um, i mean i moved to delhi a year ago and most of it has just been covid so it's also been a task to sort of build uh my own support system of friend circle and 
it's often very difficult to admit to people that you're feeling lonely because our lives are so um our lives are supposed to be lived in a way where we're occupied and preoccupied all the time so i thought it was a very interesting way she looks at some of the paintings done by people of new york city and uh, tries to analyze what people really feel living in a living in such a big city and yet feeling so small and lonely um that's one and the other recommendation more like a shout out that i would like to do is um since aditya and i were in kerala doing uh, kerala elections and it was uh, both our first time covering elections uh, ever and i just wanted to sort of acknowledge the work that uh, news minute has done in the south um it's absolutely phenomenal uh, we referred to a lot of their reports uh to do our own stories and try and understand more the politics of certain areas and every time we went to every single place there was a report done by news minute on that story they had done multiple follow ups and i think danya and their team are doing such an amazing job in the south and i would really recommend our listeners to uh, go and look up their reports uh, if they would like to understand politics in the different states in south of india uh All right, that's my recommendations. Uh, Parikshit, you have any you want to add? Yeah. So, uh, one would be like to really go through our election coverage, like the West Bengal as well as the Kerala one, because like there are some amazing interviews and reports from there as well. So please do check them out uh, on newsradio.com. And I would like to recommend a movie. So it's an animated movie. It's pretty old actually. मतलब like it's at least six seven years old. uh it's called uh, the breadwinner so mm-hmm. it's based in afghanistan about this little girl who has to turn into a bacha posh bacha posh is this concept there where women uh, girls live their life as a boy in order to have more prominence in the society so this was more of a thing back in the taliban days the movie is based during that time and it's about how this little girl tries to earn a living for her entire family whose father has been arrested and yeah it's a very nice movie so you guys should definitely check that out during your election coverage did you come back to your room and sit and binge watch anything on netflix to get your no, mind off no reporting no ek no? the west bengal internet connections are so bad dude <laughs> oh wow yeah, i think i finally to... managed to get aditya hooked on to formula 1 after uh, we would come back to <laughs> sit and watch formula 1 <laughs> nice i have seen your fascination with formula 1 but i don't think like i can never get hooked up to like it's amazing i've recommended it too many times now and with that we come to the finish of our conversation today uh, of course we'd love to know your feedback we'd love if you recommend us of course to different people to your family to your friends we've done some in depth uh, factual ground reporting um and for the change we've also been to the south we've been to the east So please take a look at our reportage. Please share, subscribe to News Laundry, um, and find all our content on our website. And now, like I said, we also have a Hindi website. So don't so don't forget to check that out. Also, listeners, if you are hearing this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or any other platform, you can also check out our website www. newslaundry. com and check out some other stuff that we are doing, such as interviews, ground reports. and opinion pieces and with that this podcast is adjourned thank you akansha and parikshit for joining us today thank you thank you all the news laundry podcasts are available on stitcher itunes and any other podcast platform 
Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.